Turn with me this evening in the scriptures to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible, hold up your hand. Our ushers have extra Bibles, would be glad to let you use one of ours. And turn to Hebrews 6. If you're watching by TV or internet, get your Bible. If you don't have one, get one. Whoever heard of a word person didn't have some word. (laughs) Hebrews 6, are you there? Hebrews 6. We began a few weeks ago a series we're calling Diligence. Somebody say diligence. And did you see how excited everybody was when I said that? Boy, we, we're excited around here about the diligence. By faith or feeling, either one, just agree with me. And um, it is so vital. It is so important that we get a hold of these things. The more I get into it, the more important I see it to be. Hebrews 6 and 10. It says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor. Somebody say labor. Labor. Labor, Your work, work, works, four-letter word, but it's a good word. Work, somebody say work. 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 Work is God's idea. God's idea. Work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you, well, let me back up a little bit. Is he talking about ministry in verse 10? You said you've ministered to the saints and you do minister. Is ministry involve work and labor? So do we have a ministry here? Faith Life Church. More Life Ministries. If it's a real ministry, what's there going to be? A whole lot of work. (laughs) Somebody claim they got a ministry and nobody's doing any work? (laughs) They never have a ministry. (laughs) They got a fan club, social club, something. But not a ministry unless there is some... Work going on, work, labor, strong ministry would have a lot of work, wouldn't it? A lot of work going on and God does not forget it. And he said, we desire that every one of you do show the same what? Diligence. Diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. Be diligent with what? Well, verse 10, in the work and the labor in the ministry, and stay with it to the end. Verse 12, that you be not slothful. Now, we might not say slothful today. What do we probably say? We probably say lazy. And there's a stigma that goes with that word, lazy. And there's numerous scriptures that deal with the topic, slothfulness and being a sluggard and being lazy, but yet when's the last time you talked to somebody and they just came out and admitted that they're lazy? When's the last time you met a person and they just looked at you and go, you know, I am lazy. I am just a lazy rascal. When's the last time? I mean, if you just go by what people tell you, you'd think there are no lazy people around. Well, then who is all these verses for? (laughs) Let me give you a revelation. These verses are talking to you and me. And you may have been diligent in some things at some times. And I may have been diligent at some things at some time. But you and I both have been lazy on some things. At some time. So we're not reading scriptures about a couple of people that may not even be here. (laughs) Somebody say, these verses are for me. Yeah. 
I have been lazy. You have been lazy sometime about something. And what we want to do is eliminate that. And not judge anybody else. And say, man, I know some lazy folk. I wish they were here and could hear this. Well, <laughs> the Lord knew who's going to be here. And this is for the folks that's here. And I'm here. And you're here. So this is for us. He said, be diligent. To the full assurance of hope to then. Don't be slothful. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The NIV says, we do not want you to become lazy. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, the further I get into it, I didn't have any agenda. You know, the Lord dealt with me to teach on this. I know he did. And I thought, well, praise God. I mean, I don't know how long we'll go with this. But even if it's just one session, I won't do what he told me to do. But man, the more I get into it, I'm seeing some things. And oh, Lord, this is bigger than I, I realized. And I keep reading, you know, scores and scores and hundreds and hundreds of verses on the subject. And the further I get into it, I'm seeing an error and a problem in the so-called faith people. There are a lot of lazy folks in the world. Have you run across any of them? Well, just put that out of your mind. Don't think about them. <laughs> but there are a lot of lazy folks in this generation. There's always been lazy folks around. But there's a lot of people that are, you know, you and me have been lazy in areas. But I'm talking about people that are lazy in most areas. Most of the time. Instead of lazy in one area one time or some areas some of the time. Lazy in most areas. Most of the time. And when they hear... Even if they just heard part of it, something that sounds like they can lay on the couch and make confessions and get rich and not do anything. Well, you are singing their song, brother. They think, oh, yeah, that's the church I want to go to. <laughs> Tell me again now, what do I do? I just make confessions and get rich. Well, glory to God. <laughs> But that's not all the Bible has to say on the subject, is it? It's not just making confessions. The Bible talks about diligence. The Bible talks about work, doesn't it? And so we're going to talk about that tonight. How about it? Diligence and prosperity. Are you with me? Go to the book of Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Proverbs 6. Now, as we said before, there are many verses along this line in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is rich with this. And, of course, this is the wisdom of God. And we saw, you know, we talked about just recently, we're reading about Solomon. Is it a coincidence that the wisest man was the richest man? Is there a connection between the wisdom of God and wealth and riches? Well, the Bible says so, that wisdom in one hand has long life, right? And in the other hand, riches and honor. Is that right? The wisdom of God. Then, man, we ought to be stirred up about getting the wisdom of God. And you know, a while back, we camped out on the wisdom of God. For a while, and if you weren't here, it's available. Get into it. I, I got so stirred up about it, I went and listened to some of it again myself. Because <laughs> I hadn't, I, you know, so I got things while I was speaking. Thank God. But uh, it is connected. The wisdom of God and the wealth of the blessing of the Lord. Now, did Solomon just sit on the throne and make confessions? He had enterprises. They built ships. They developed trade routes. You remember all that? I mean, they did stuff. And they built the temple of the Lord. But did you read how many people were working? Yeah. Hundreds yeah. of thousands. Night and day. Supervisors. I mean, there was a lot 
of work going on. Diligence. Somebody was keeping up with stuff. Keeping track of stuff. Somebody was keeping books. They recorded numbers in the Bible, didn't they? They weren't just flying by the seat of their pants. There was a lot of diligence involved. And you see it in these wisdom writings. Now look at this in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. He said, go to the ant, you sluggard. (laughs) Consider her ways and be wise. Have you ever heard of a lazy ant? (laughs) Anybody ever told you? I got the laziest ants at my house. (laughs) Chokers just lay around. Won't even build a decent ant mound. I mean, you can leave, you know, picnic stuff laying out three days at a time. They won't even come get it. (laughs) Have you ever heard of a lazy ant? No, and you never will. (laughs) And that's what he's talking about. He said, sluggard, lazy boy, lazy girl, you need to look at the ants. The wisdom of God is revealed all through his creation, including ants. You're talking about Solomon again. Did you remember reading where it said, when it's talking about how wise Solomon was, said he talked about animals. Remember that? And he talked about trees and about flowers. Somebody said, well, why would you talk that? That was in connection with the wisdom of God. He saw the wisdom of God in a cedar tree. He saw the wisdom of God in a grapevine. He saw the wisdom of God in a rabbit and a giraffe and a lion and a zebra. He saw the wisdom of God. And if we will get more tuned into it, we will too. Instead of just looking at everything around us, oh, it's always been there. No, everything. Look at how it works. And you got to keep in mind now, it's been affected by the curse. It's not in its perfect form. But even in its fallen, distorted form, you can see so much wisdom and beauty catch you. It all came out of God. When I look at the wisdom of God in the ant, something so small, he said, consider the ant's ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler... Who makes them get up and go to work in the morning? Hmm? Are they, is there an ant clock that they punch? <laughs> an ant alarm clock? Or an ant whistle that tells them when to start work or when to quit? Why do they all roll out and just work, 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 work? All of them. Why? Because it is the right thing to do. And God made them that way. And his wisdom is in them. And what is God saying through this scripture? Lazy boy. (laughs) Lazy girl. You need to go watch the ants. And see how I made them. And see how they do. They got no guide. No overseer. No ruler. The government is not making them work. The boss man's not making them work. Y'all going to help me with this or not? This is not too simple for you, is it? No. They provide their meat in the summer. And they gather their food in the harvest. They work every season they can. They get while the getting's good. Don't they? You leave a muffin on the ground, it's an ant opportunity. And what if two ants find out about it? Next thing you know, 40,000 ants, right? Why? Because they all work. None of them lay up in the, and goof off and go, well, let the other ants do it. 
No, man, they're all rolled out. Verse 9 keeps going. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? <laughs> little sleep, little slumber, little folding of the hands to sleep. Now, there's a whole lot said about sleep and laziness, isn't there? Lazy people sleep too much. They rest too much. We read about it last week. How that the lazy person turns in the bed like a door on the hinge. Remember that? (laughs) Should have been up doing something three hours ago, but they go. Roll over. (laughs) (laughs) there's a time to rest but there's time to get up and go somebody say amen Amen. I said there's a time to rest but there's a time to roll out and your flesh is not always wanting to do it have you found that out has it ever been time to get up and you have not wanted to get up huh Maybe you got in bed real late, or maybe you've been real busy, or there's been a lot of things going on, but then it's time to go. And if you don't learn how to roll out and go when it's time to go, no matter how you feel, you are not going to prosper. You are not going to be successful. That's not my thoughts. Read the next verse here. What does it say? Little sleep. A little slumber, another nap, roll on over. Verse 11, what's going to happen? Now, we're not reading somebody's idea. This is the Bible. This says your poverty is going to come as one that traveleth and your want as an armed man, like a bandit. Like an armed bandit. Poverty is going to come on you. Well, if the Bible says poverty is going to come on you, that's not prosperity. Well, what if when they roll over once in a while, they make a good confession? (laughs) Huh? They won't get up, but they're faith people. (laughs) They're faith people, go to a faith church, got two closets full of faith tapes. (laughs) And CDs and DVDs. Huh? Faith people got faith stickers on their refrigerator. And they just make confessions while they roll over. Will their confessions override these verses? And enable them to prosper anyhow? No. No. You can't just make confessions... And ignore this and prosper. Can you? Got to be diligent. Somebody say diligent. Diligence is not a bad thing. Diligence is a good thing. The more you yield to the flesh and the more lazy you become, the worse you feel. And the more miserable you are. It's not like the more you sleep in and the more you miss your appointments and the more you goof off and don't do your work, the better you feel and the more confidence you have. No, it goes down. You like yourself less and less. You don't feel good about sleeping in and goofing off and not doing your work. Do you? Even if you're a little tired. Are a lot tired when you feel like you did it. You pulled your weight. You did what you should have done. You took care of business. And you feel good about it. Don't you? You can lay your head on the pillow and sleep. And how does it affect your faith? Does it help your faith? Oh, it helps your faith because you know you've done what the Lord told you to do. So now it's easier to believe God. 
that he's going to help you and prosper you and bless you. When you know you obeyed him. Somebody say it out loud again. Working is God's idea. Hold your place in Proverbs and go to Colossians. I remember my grandpa, who's gone now. But even as a little boy, he used to tell me and my brother and the other boys and our cousins and stuff and anybody that listened, these stories. And it's invariably about working hard. I mean, that was probably as much his religion as anything was working hard. Too much so. But uh, he told us this story. And for the first several years, I couldn't figure out why he kept telling us this story. <laughs> but as time went on, it became more apparent. He'd tell us about this fellow that was lazy. Sorriest fellow in the community. And he'd say, sorry. Shake his head. And we're all thinking, yeah, he's sorry, rascal. He said, this fellow's so sorry. Wouldn't do a lick of work. For anybody, for anything. And if I got so sorry, the community decided he's too sorry to live. They just going to bury him alive. <laughs> of course, this would get the attention of a five-year-old. right? We're thinking, it's going to bury him alive. He goes, yeah, bury him alive. <laughs> you got a picture of this. This is my grandpa and us. We're sitting around the fire. He's telling us these stories in the wintertime in a cold old house. So we got, almost got our feet in the fire. And he says, yeah, he wouldn't work a crop. Because we're from the south, you know. He wouldn't work a crop. Have anything. Always having to, you know, bum off of people. Even to make it through the winter. Sorry, rascal. They said, no. The community got together, voted. It's going to bury him alive. Everybody's tired of carrying him. So they got him in the wagon. And they're taking him to the cemetery. Bury him alive. Already got, got the coffin. He's laying in it. Already got the grave dug. And as they're taking him over there, this one fellow saw him and just couldn't stand it. He said, you know, that's all right. Don't bury him. I'll give him enough corn to last him through the winter. Said the fellow raised up out of the casket said, is it shelled? Man said, no, it's not shell. Said he laid down and said, drive on, boys. Just drive on. <laughs> drive on, boys. Sorry, rascal. <laughs> well, nobody Faith Life Church be that sorry. <laughs> Did you find Colossians? In Colossians, the third chapter, I want to draw your attention to what he said about the ant. He specified that the ants worked season in, season out, having no overseer. Remember that? No guide, no ruler, nobody is making them go to work. Nobody is over them saying, now do it, do it, get to it, stay with it. Nobody is. They are self-motivated. Somebody say self-motivated. They're self-motivated. Now notice this in Colossians 3, 22. Servants, obey in all things your master's. According to the flesh. Now let's just stop right there. A lot of people read that and they think, well, boy, that don't apply to me because I'm not a slave. I'm not a servant. and We don't have slavery anymore. But then why is that in here? There are no unnecessary verses. And you don't need to, you know, be so appalled at the idea of serving somebody. And really, every employee is a servant. You are serving the people, the owners, the company, aren't you? You're serving them in some capacity. So you could easily put employees 
And instead of masters, employers, or whatever it is, whether you're paid or not paid, if you're under somebody helping somebody, notice it. He said, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Talking about your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers. One translation says, not just when their eyes are on you. But in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Here is a characteristic of slothfulness. You only work when people look at you. And you work completely differently if somebody's watching you than if they're not. Now this would describe... Huge portions of the modern workforce. Wouldn't it? And it's not for us to judge anybody. But we're Christians. Not even one amen on that one. (laughs) I said we're Christians. Aren't we? And as Christians. Christian trumps. American. Company employee. Southerner. Northerner. Young. Old. Educated. Uneducated, Christian trumps all that. And we're told by our master that we are to work a certain way. That we're to do what we do, how? Heartily. What does that mean, heartily? Does that sound like a diligent word? What does heartily mean? Another verse said, do what your hand finds to do with all your might. Do it. Don't drag around with it. Don't slop over it. Do it. Diligently, give me some definitions of diligent that we looked at already. Hmm? One literal definition was vehement, which has to do with intense. What else? Hmm? Passionate, speedily, promptly, early. That would all go with heartily, wouldn't it? Do it heartily. How? As unto the Lord. Would that apply if you're painting a house? Would it apply if you're sacking groceries? Would it apply if you're fixing a flat or or pumping gas or hmm, cutting the grass? Are you to do it, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, are you to do it as though you're doing it for the Lord? We need to remind ourselves of this, don't we? Every day. Every day and every time we get up in the morning, get ready and go to work, every time we pick up a hammer, every time, right? We are to do this like we're doing it for Him. Not just when people are watching us. Now this is not just a good idea, this is the Bible. And as believers, we ought to do this whether people treat us right or they don't, whether they pay us good or they don't, whether they appreciate us, whether they don't. Because it's Bible. Do it as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. As though we were driving nails for the Lord. As though we were sacking groceries for the Lord. Well, if you're sacking the Lord's groceries... You're not going to put his bread on the bottom. (laughs) Right? That's the Lord's groceries. Don't mash his bread. (laughs) Well, that's just, you know, that ain't the Lord, though. That's just a foul-mouthed unbeliever. Yeah, but your Lord told you to sack the foul-mouthed unbeliever's groceries as though you were sacking his groceries. Didn't he? Man, we need to keep this in front of us. It's so easy to get away from it. And your flesh wants to get away from it. And so we need to make an effort to keep it in front of us morning, noon, and night. There ought to be a phrase. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your mind. Say it out loud. As unto the Lord. Lord. Say it again. As As unto the Lord. Lord. Say it again. As As unto the Lord. Again. 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 
What do you do as unto the Lord? Whatever you're doing. In all your work. And is it just when people are watching you? No, no. Did you know it is really foolishness for people to think that laziness goes unnoticed? Isn't it? (laughs) Heads of companies are going to notice. Don't you think they're not? Oh, they may not say anything the first week or even a month or two. But laziness cannot be hid. The work's either going to get done or it's not. And you can only pile stuff in the closet so long. (laughs) And one day somebody's going to open the door and it's going to all fall out. One day it's going to come out that this didn't get done and that didn't get done and the other didn't get done. It's going to come out. Even if you make it months and it seems like you're getting by with it, you can't hide slothfulness. You can't hide it. Nor can you hide diligence. You can't hide diligence. And even though nobody notices you or nobody acknowledges you or it may seem like month after month, nobody appreciates it, I assure you it cannot be hid. And at the right time and the right way, the Lord will put his finger on you. Even if people purposely have been trying not to notice you, he'll say, you notice that? Look at that. And they'll realize it's been going on for months without somebody standing over them, without them being assured they're going to get paid extra for it. Come on. Without it being in their technical job description. Come on. And these are the kind of people that get promoted and get increased and get advanced. What if they don't advance me? Then God will advance you out of there. Maybe give you your own. There is nothing but win, win, win when you're diligent. Oh, it may not look like it. It may not feel like it. But I'm telling you, we just read the scripture. God is not unrighteous to forget. He remembers. And oh, oh, get this now, get this. He takes it personally because you were doing it. If you did it unto him, as unto him, it gives him a right to reward you for it. Even if the people that own the company don't even believe in him. Yeah, you were working for them. Yeah, you endeavored to do it their way, the way they told you to do it. But within that scope, you did it as unto the Lord. And when you did that, you took it out of the realm of the company. Out of the realm of what men notice and don't notice. Now, he took it personally. Because he knew your heart. And he knew all the time, they're doing that unto me. So he has every right. To remember it. And to reward it. And to bless it. That was worth coming tonight. I'm telling you right there. If you get that. And begin to live like that. Then everything you do. Every wrench you turn. Every broom you move. God begins to take it personally. Because you did it for him. You did it to him. Oh, what if everybody was doing everything they did as though they were doing it personally for the Lord? What would happen? Boy, the level of everything, the quality of everything would come up. For one thing, jobs would take about a fourth as long as they're taking. <laughs> Materials would not be wasted. And half the workforce would be showing up and saying, we're already done with that. What do you want us to do now? You must say, oh, you never do that. If you're doing it unto the Lord, you do. Is this okay? Is it Bible? Am I reading the Bible? It is the Bible. 
Whatever you do, look at verse 23 now again. You know, make sure you know I didn't write this. You're reading the Bible, right? Whatever you do. Are you reading it with me? Whatsoever you do. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Don't just get them in your eyes. Lift your eyes up. I go, I'm going to fix this flat as unto the Lord. As though I was putting it on the Lord's car. Hmm? I'm going to clean this up as though I was doing it for the Lord. This is not just church stuff, friends. What did he say? Whatsoever you do. That's every natural and menial thing that goes on. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing, verse 24, know it, know it, that of the Lord you shall receive the reward. Woo! The reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Glory to God. Can you see? Why so many people are not blessed like they should be? Because they think, oh, this is not important. And they don't even deserve to have me working here. The way they treat me and what they pay me. Dear me, they're lucky I even came in today. And so you drag around and you play around, mess around and, and hide and hide work and, and goof off and do this and do that. Thinking this is just natural. It's got nothing to do with the Lord and the kingdom. How wrong they are. Because if you're not faithful in that which is another man's. Who will give you that which is your own? If you're not faithful in a little thing. You're not going to get the bigger thing. What's happening as you're handling the groceries. As you're sweeping the floor. You are either qualifying yourself for bigger and better. Or you are disqualifying yourself. You're either expediting your promotion and prosperity. Or you are delaying it. You could take it out of the realm. Of the gritty. And the low paid. And the menial. And the insignificant. By just doing one thing. Pick up that water hose, pick up that broom, pick up that sack, put on the uniform and say, today, (laughs) today, I do what I do as unto the Lord. Now you have stepped out. You have stepped into the realm of the spirit where God has a legal, God has put it in the book. That you can know when you do this that he's going to reward you. You know there's no way God's going to write that and then not do it. He's obligated by his holy word. But how many know you got to get yourself by the ear every morning, don't you? And say, roll out, hit it, stir yourself up. No, we're not just cleaning troughs. No, we're not just... Doing this. We're not just doing that. We're not just typing on the computer. Stir up, stir up, stir up. I don't do it as a man pleaser. I don't transform into super worker when the supervisor comes around the corner. And then keep asking, are they still there? Are they still there? Are they still there? Oh, they gone? They gone? Are you sure they're gone? I'm going to get another cup of coffee. You let me know if they come back. (laughs) Then you are not living as a Christian on the job. And how many know if you're lazy and you goof off and you do things sloppy and all that, and then you want to witness to somebody on the job? You've undermined your witness. Why do they want to be like you? Hmm? You're not as good a worker as they are. <clears throat> Say la. <laughs> Go back to Proverbs. Let's get more excited. Back to Proverbs. 
(laughs) We read Proverbs 10. It's a scripture. It's the truth. No, excuse me. We read 6, didn't we? We haven't read 10 yet, so you need to read 10. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. Proverbs 10, 10 and 4. Proverbs 10, 4. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. You need something to go with a faith mouth. It's a diligent hand. Right? You need something to go with. A faith-filled, confession-filled mouth, and it is diligent hand. Read it out loud to me again, the first part. What did it say? He becomes what? Poor. That deals with a slack hand. I know uh, I talked about one of my natural fathers, my granddad, telling me that story. Well, my father in the faith, Brother Kenneth Hagin, used to tell me stories too. And the same thing. There's several stories, especially maybe it'd be right before the service, and he'd tell us a story. And, and I'd leave scratching my head thinking, what did that mean? <laughs> But one of them was, should have been obvious and did become increasingly obvious as time went on. He told a story about, this was years ago when he was just a young man. And two men he knew that went to church and Pentecostal, tongue talkers, and loved the Lord. And, you know, they did what they could to make ends meet and to prosper. And they heard about there was a place you could go and buy a bunch of handles, hoe handles, axe handles, shovel handles and at a cheap price and so they're going to go get them and bring them back to the community and sell them make some money so they took the trip and took their wagons and they spent their money they didn't have much but they bought them a bunch of handles wooden handles axe handles hoe handles shovel handles and they brought them back to the community well they got in real late and they got into bed real late and they're they're sleeping and uh, they were awakened by a thunderstorm. And I mean, the thunder's crashing. I mean, the lightning's crashing, thunder rolling, and it's just pouring down rain. And the one fellow hollered at the other guy and said, it's raining on our handles. It's raining on our handles. And they're green handles. You reckon we ought to get up and go? And boy, they're dead tired, you know. And the other guy said, well, let's just pray and ask God to protect them. And they just prayed a real quick prayer. And (laughs) rolled over. And because they got in so late, they slept late. And that morning, the sun came out real bright and hot. And beat down on their soaked handles. And you can guess, every one of them warped. Well, nobody wants to buy a warped hoe handle or axe handle. And so then they want to go to the preacher and ask, why didn't God answer their prayer? Well, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about in this distortion of faith in modern times. You know, people use faith as an excuse. It's not real faith. It's a distorted version of faith, but they call it faith. Oh, you know, God can do anything. God can do anything. Let's just believe God that he protects it and he'll do a miracle. Well, it's mighty convenient so you can lay in the bed. You need to see what's really motivating you. You know, the devil tried to get Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, didn't he? Even quoted scripture to him, didn't he? Throw yourself off of here. It is written. He gives his angels charge over you. They'll bear you up in their hands. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. So did he jump and prove that he had faith? Did you jump and prove that he believed the word of God? No. He said it's also written. What did he say? It's also written what? 
you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He said, that'd be tempting God. The Lord didn't lead him to jump. I said, the Lord didn't lead them to pray that he'd protect the handles. He woke them up, and both of them knew they ought to get up. But they're going to be spiritual. Come on now, are y'all with me on this or not? There's a whole lot of stuff going on that's just laziness, laxness, and people are trying to say that they're spiritual, and the Lord didn't lead them to, and the Lord led them to do something else, and it's just a cover for the flesh. You show me somebody that really does have faith, that really is led by the Spirit, they're a go-getter. I said they're a go-getter. Because many times the Spirit of God will prompt you to something and your flesh don't want to do it. But when you really are spiritual, you hop up and do it. Can you say amen? Amen, amen or oh me or, or something. But the Bible's true on this. He becomes poor. That's the second scripture we've seen that said that same thing. You become poor. When you deal with a slack hand, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Somebody said out loud, I have a faith-filled mouth mouth. and And I got diligent hands. hands. I'll be made rich. rich. Yeah. He that gathers in summer is a wise son. But he that sleeps and harvest is a son that causes shame. Go to Proverbs 24. There's so much of this. We can't possibly cover it all in one time. But I can see you're enjoying it so much that you'll probably be back for another big dose of this. Of course, if these were the only meetings you didn't come to. That'd be bad. It'd be saying things about you that you wouldn't want said. Proverbs 24 <laughs> and uh, 30. This is the wisdom of God. 24:30. He said, I went by the field of the slothful, and I went by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, It was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Somebody say, grown over, broken down. Does that look like a faith woman's place? Faith man's place? All grown over. And broken down because they are more spiritual than other folks and do too much praying to start a lawnmower. <laughs> they, they are so aware of spiritual things and so busy with their faith life that they couldn't be bothered to build the fence and repair it. No, <laughs> that's an excuse acceptable by some folks. But it's just not true. I said it's not true. Really spiritual people, people that really are, are diligent people. Real faith people are faith people. Faith without works is dead. No. Keep reading. He said uh, it was all grown over. Wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instruction. (laughs) And he came back to the same thing. A little sleep. (laughs) A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to sleep. Come on, get the picture. What does that mean? Fold your hands. (sighs) Grass needs cutting. And the fence needs fixing. What do people normally say? Do they normally say, I'm never fixing that fence? 
No, no, they don't say that. What do they say? Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Maybe later, later. Well, exactly when? I don't know. Uh, Later. Don't get in the habit of not fixing stuff. It's a slope that spirals down. Are you with me? It's a bad habit to get into of not fixing it and not fixing this and not fixing that and not fixing the other. It accumulates over time and it's depressing to you. Hmm? After years of this, you come in and you pull in the driveway and that's not fixed. And that's not fixed. And that's still broke. It's been broke for two years. You go in and try to turn this on. It hadn't worked in a year. And this don't work. And that's not right. And that's broke. And that still don't fit. And that still doesn't fit. You're living in a poverty environment. And it's depressing. Are you with me? And you'll notice. That in the most. The areas where there's the worst crime and the most suicide and the highest drug use, what do you see in the environment all around about it? Things grown over, things broken, right? Things not fixed. Now, why will they tell you that it's not fixed? Money. They'll say money, but it's not true. I said it's not true. It's a lack of faith. And it's a lack of priority. Now don't don't get upset with me. Stay with me. I know from whence I'm speaking. I've experienced some of this firsthand. I'm not throwing any rocks or judging anybody. I'm telling you the truth that makes free. I'm telling you no matter where you're at, you can come out. God's will is not broken and depressed and grown over. It's never been God's will for anybody. I don't care if you grew up that way, if you've been that way all your life. It was never the will of God for you. Let me tell you what God's will is for you. Fixed. Properly adjusted. Freshly painted. Clean. Nice. And better. And better. And better. And new. Come on now new. You might not start off there. But that's his plan for you. And bigger and better. Didn't we read scriptures in the beginning of the service? The good of the land. Finest of the wheat. People will blame it on. Where they grew up. And who they don't know. And education they don't have. And on and on. Blame it on the government. But it's a lie. That's acting like you have no God. Like there is no God. There is a God. That takes beggars from the dunghill. And sits them with princes. It's written. Thank you Lord. He said I went by the field. Of people that were victims of circumstances. And nobody would help. And it was not their fault. No, slothful. Slothful is the problem. It was all grown over. The wall was broken down. Then I said a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travels and your want as an armed man. He repeats that thought. He said poverty is coming to you. It'll come on you like a robber. Ecclesiastes 10.18. You don't have to turn there. But Ecclesiastes 10.18. In the NIV says. If a man is lazy. The rafters sag. And if his hands are idle. The house leaks. Now let me go over this again slowly. I think if I can complete this. I think we're done for the evening. So stay with me real good for just a moment here. People get upset at some of the comments I just made. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. You weren't born where I was born. 
You don't know. But I'm reading scriptures. Tell God he don't know. (laughs) And I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth either. And you know we had. There were times our britches might not have been the best. But they had a crease in them. No matter what I'm talking about now. Cars weren't new. But they were clean. See, it ain't about how much money you got in your pocket. Diligence is not based on a certain caliber of stuff to start with. It's what you do with what you have. It's stewardship. Come on, can you see it now? Stewardship. And you got people that are making these grandiose confessions of the sun, moon, and stars and despising what's in their hand. And treating it like dirt. They're confessing a new car. But they ain't washed the one they got in six months. It's got McDonald's wrappers from last year in it. What does that matter? What did God care about that? Can you read? He cares. It matters. It matters. It does matter. Don't. Let yourself get used to not fixing stuff. It's a lack of faith. It's ungodly. Maybe you don't have the money to go out and buy a new one. Maybe you don't have the money to fix it like you would like to fix it. What do you do? Take it as far as you can. It's faith. It's faith. It's key to you coming out. If you lay down. And let it pile up. And let it grow over. You are giving up. You are not believing God. Come on, can you see this now? You don't have faith in God. You're yielding to depression. You're acting like it's not going to do any good. No matter what I do. You're acting like God's not real. Like he doesn't answer prayer. Like no matter what you do, it's not going to help. And if you do that, it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse, and you get to where you don't even want to get up in the morning. And you blame it on everybody and their brother, but it'll be a lie. Because if God ever brought a man out of the dung heap, he'll do it for another one. If God ever brought a woman that was born and reared in poverty into prosperity, he'll do it again. And you know he's done it. He's done it over and over and over and over. You know, I just was uh, in school training again on the aircraft. And uh, when something breaks, we believe God to fix it. And you might think, well, of course you do. A lot of people don't because it's expensive. And they let stuff go. They let stuff go. They let stuff go. I remember Phyllis and I rented a plane one time. This is years ago. And we're flying from Louisiana. And I mean, half the stuff on this plane didn't work. I mean, you bumped the dash and the lights wouldn't come on. Well, it took off and gas is just streaming out of the caps. Well, it's streaming into where the engine nacelles are, where these hot exhaust pipes are. Well, I knew I put them on there, right? But I'm thinking, well, they overfill the tanks. It'll quit just any second. And we're flying. We're climbing out. And it wouldn't quit. And it wouldn't quit. I just couldn't take it. I thought, I got to land this thing. So I came back around. I got it on the ground. And I found a good old boy. This is out in the middle of nowhere. He had a roll of duct tape. <laughs> Me and him duct taped. <laughs> we duct taped. That's all we could do at the time. We duct taped those things up where they wouldn't leak. We took off. And it didn't leak. I got back to the people that we got the plane. I said, guys, I said, those fuel caps, man, the fuel just pours out of them. They said, yeah, it does that. <laughs> I can see they have no intention. We're talking about a little rubber gasket that goes around that cap to make it seal up. Somebody said, well, I wouldn't do that with an airplane if you would do it with something else. You might not at first, but if you're around them long enough, 
And you get used to stuff. You know what I'm talking about? It is a habit that you get into and it gets worse and gets worse and gets worse. I'm believing the Lord's helping me on this now. Don't be satisfied with this broke and that don't work. And this don't work. Ah, it ain't worked in years. Well, either get rid of it or fix it. You might know what I'm talking about or replace it. Why? Because it's affecting your faith. It's affecting the environment of your house. It's not good for you to drive in and it's all grown over and it's all messed up and it's all broke. And for you to live in that and sleep in that and eat in that, it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for your kids. So we don't have the money. That's not an excuse. Take it as far as you can. Do everything you can. And then believe for the rest. And watch how it comes in. When you put some works. With your faith. But if you say it ain't no use. Ain't no use. Why even bother with it. You're not even in faith. No help is coming. No money's coming. Let me end it with this other story. That my father in the faith told me. And this was one of my favorites eventually. This is one of the ones I'd leave scratching my head going now. He, he didn't tell me what it meant. This was not a parable. This was an account of people he knew as a young man. And this was back when times were hard. Depression. He said a man, he said there was a man in the community. And back, some of you might remember some of these times. I know my granddad dealt with a man like this in our community. They didn't have banks like they did today. There were individuals that had money. And people would go to them and borrow from them for their farms and their businesses. And everybody in town owed this one individual on their houses, their farms, and their cattle, and their businesses. And uh, there was drought. One year, two years. Three years in a row, nobody made a crop. So they're spending all this money buying seed and fertilizer and planting and not a crop at all. Three years in a row. Well, people are not even able to pay the interest. And uh, he's telling me this story. He said, so, uh, he said, people just left their farms. They just walked off. They said, well, you know, ain't no, ain't no news. They just quit. And he repossessed it. The guy that they owed money to, the rich man. And he said the church, because people had drought, you know, three year after year, said they, uh, they couldn't make their payments on the church. And said they, uh, he came to them, asked them, you know, what are you going to do about your payments? They said, well, we can't make them. You know, surely you won't take the church. He said, oh, I'll take it. What are you going to do with the church? He said, I'll make a barn out of it. I'll do something. <laughs> now he's telling me this story. And he said, one after another, they did this. He said, but there's this one guy. Year after year, he'd get up every morning, just like he had a crop. He'd go out with a Kaiser blade, clean the ditch banks. He's already lost the place legally. But he'd get up and couldn't buy paint, but he'd get whitewash. You know, get some clay and whitewash and whitewash the stones around the well and, and clean the fence row. And, and uh, he, every day, he lost it a year ago, but he still roll out and do it. He said that, that rich man came to his house one day and handed him the title deed and just left. And then he'd look at me and say, well, it's time to start the service. Go on in there. No explanation, no nothing. But can you see why as the years have gone by, that's more and more precious to me. What is he telling me? The Bible said, behold the goodness and the severity of the Lord. You see, a lot of people didn't like that about the church. But see, they're not even trying. Did you hear this? And he said, oh, I'll take it. They're not even trying. See, there's a lot of people think because they're Christians, because they're the church, they don't have to try. They don't have to do anything. We're a Christian. You're just supposed to do it for us. Those are the people that need their stuff taken. 
Did you hear me? It's right for them to lose their stuff. Oh, but the man, the woman that keeps rolling out of bed, (laughs) fix the fence, paint the barn, clean the fence row, dig a ditch. Why? When it looks like you lost it two years ago, that's a man's got faith. Why does he keep getting up? Why does he keep doing this? Because he hasn't quit. Why do you work on something that's probably not even yours anymore? Because he still has faith that God could bring him out of this some way. Come on, do you see this? And a man like that, a woman like that, God will move heaven and earth and put the title in your hand. He will honor your faith. Oh, can you see that? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, praise the Lord. Oh, bless you, Lord. You are righteous. You are good. Oh, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. You are righteous. You are faithful. You are just in all your ways. Oh Lord, I bless you. Oh Lord, I glorify you. I thank you. I praise you. Oh, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. You are glorious. You are wonderful. You are so good, so good, so good, so good, so good. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Everybody say this out loud. Pray it out loud. If you believe it, if you mean it. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I trust you. You are righteous. You are perfect. You are just and fair in all your ways. I see your ways are ways of diligence, excellence, faith, and works that accompany faith. Forgive us. Forgive me for any areas where I've been lax. Where I gave up, where I quit, and didn't believe you. I stir myself up to be diligent by your grace, by your help. I will be diligent in faith, diligent indeed unto the end, and I thank you. That you said, when I do it unto you, you would reward me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.